The information discussed on this show is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content is for general informational purposes only. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins, Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And once again, this week is no exception. I've got three very special guests joining me on Guys Guys Radio. We're going to talk about dating and relationships for the over 50 crowd. And we're also going to interview two popular radio and podcast hosts from the L.A. area. So we're going to start off with Silka Schwarzkopf. She hosts the popular Second Act TV YouTube channel, that I have been a guest on many times, and we talk about dating and relationships. I play the guy's guy, obviously, and she takes the female side, and we have some very lively discussions about all the challenges that people face over 50. So Silk is going to be my guest today, and I'm going to be asking her questions as to what she has heard from the various female and male dating experts, thought leaders, if you will, who focus on big folks over 50, because there's a whole slew of new challenges you face when you're getting back into the dating pool and you're over 50, and also just in managing your current relationships and partnerships, because, you know, long-term relationships can get stale and people grow apart, and there's so so much that can happen, and it can be a real challenge. So we're going to talk about that today with Silka. We also have Fritz Coleman and Louise Palenker. They are popular radio hosts, and now they have a new podcast called The Media Path. They're up in the L.A. area. They've been working together for decades. We're going to talk about kind of life in the L.A. and radio and podcast world and some of their stories and things that we can pick up from them. And for all of those podcasters and radio hosts out there, you might pick up a few tips as I have. So looking forward to those discussions with three guests on today's Guys Guys Radio. This is talk a minute just about relationships over 50, because for a lot of people, they're already on their second and third marriages by then. For myself, I didn't get married till I was 50, and I was out there. I had some long-term relationships. They never turned into marriage, and I dated a lot. I finally met the love of my life on none other than Match.com. My wife-to-be took a three-day flyer over a weekend, and she winked at me, and I wrote to her, And she wrote back to me, and I suggested a phone call, and she said, let's just meet. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not how I do it. I had a whole uh, program I put together in terms of uh, making contact and each level of uh, an energetic exchange, in my opinion. First, you you meet online, and then you send uh, maybe an email or a text back and forth, and then you meet via phone call and exchange energy that way, and then you meet in person, and a very deliberate process. And she said, let's just meet. And she hadn't been on match or anything before. So I'm like, all right, I made these, I made the rules up for myself. So why not just break them? So I broke them and I, we met and we've been together ever since. So 
Now, it can be done, folks. It can be done. And we're going to get into all of that with our guest, Silke Schwarzkopf, about dating and relationships for the over 50 crowd. And also, we have Fritz and Louise, and we're going to talk about podcasting and hosting radio shows here in the Southern California, L.A. area. So let's get to it right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, my special guest today is a friend of the show, Silka Schwarzkopf. Let me tell you a little bit about her. We're going to talk about dating and relationship challenges for people over 50 with one of the thought leaders and experts. Now, Silka hosts a very popular YouTube show, Second Act TV, where she's She's interviewed numbers and numbers of guests who are really thought leaders in the areas of relationship, dating, and everything else for the over 50 crowd, which is growing and growing and growing. So I'm always thrilled when Silka comes back to Guys Guys Radio. As you may know, I'm a frequent guest on Silka's show, so it's nice that she's been kind enough to return the favor and grace us with her presence here. And we're going to get into some of the issues that the over 50 crowd faces when it comes to dating and relationships. So welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, my friend Silka Schwarzkopf. Thank you, Robert. It's always great talking with you. And yes, you are a frequent guest and Robert's <laughs> actually one of my most popular guests. So we always we, <laughs> we love our conversations. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're going to have another good one today because it's a great topic. Like people over 50, you know, they've had experience. So whether they're getting back into the dating pool, if you will, if they've had just a long-term relationships or they're divorced or whatever it is, or they're widowed, or it, there's so many different variables, if you will, for the over 50 crowd. And you've talked to so many different people from a big, big micro standpoint. What has been the number one takeaway you've gotten from all these thought leaders and experts about dating and relationships over 50? Well, I, you've, you've, hit on some of the points, which is that there's so many of us, I think the stats are one in three over 50 are single. So it's just, it's just wow. huge for a variety of reasons. And I, I guess the takeaway that the biggest challenge has been maintaining a positive mindset that if you, that you can start over again, that you will find somebody else, you know, there's, there's some hopelessness in that area. And it really all comes back down to the experiences we've had, why we're single and how we've processed that. So mindset, I think is one of the biggest overarching, if you will, challenges. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. You know, there's a there's a relationship. It's always I find it interesting that, you know, I'm the guy's guy, if you will, and I, I can weigh in on men, mm -hmm. um, but I can't really tell women. Uh, I can tell them about men, but I can't tell men about women and except from my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. It's not and I can't adv advise women about um well i can advise women about men but I, i'm not an expert on women as per women if you, if you know what i mean so sure, sure i know exactly that's why i have you on my show because i don't want to speak for men <laughs> exactly and i can't speak for women and some some of the guys some of the thought leaders out there attempt to do that and i always like them mm -hmm. and a lot of women too also try to speak for this is what guys are here's what they want here's who they are and you know, it, if you're not a guy, it's hard for you to really do that from an authentic position. Not that right. they don't have great insights, but the real, you know, the it, you got to be real about it. And that is women know women and men know men better than we know each other. And that's one of the challenges we face. So 
What have been the primary theme and challenges for women as told to you by women dating and relationship experts and thought leaders? Probably, the, again, the biggest, if I have to name one, is, is confidence. You know, again, uh, doesn't apply to everybody. Some women over 50 are extremely confident. Uh, but if you haven't been on the dating scene in a while, and now 25 years later, as it, as was in my case, started dating again, uh, things have changed. I mean, the world is a, is, a, is a different world. Dating is completely different. And depending on the you know the people the men that you meet where they are in that process you know did they just start again or have they already been on the scene for about you know 10 years or so and have adapted to this new culture the online culture uh it's it, it's yeah confidence will definitely take a bite out of you uh some of it can be very funny as it was in my case uh but yeah it, a real challenge i ask you the same thing about men what are the male experts tell you about what's kind of the big challenges for guys out there because a lot of people think that oh you know the single men out there maybe they've been in a marriage or relationship for a long time and they get back out there and they chase around younger women and it's, it's a lot easier than for the for the ladies but it's that's not necessarily the case is it no the what i hear you know from men is that nothing has changed in terms of what it's like to put yourself out there and you know open yourself to, up to rejection when you're the one that always has to ask people out. Uh, that's one thing that a lot of the experts are trying to change that, especially at our age, that, you know, women, we can be a little bit more forward and, and or at least give men, you know, a hint. <laughs> it's okay to, to approach us. But I, but I hear that, you know, it's just really difficult to keep, you know, linking, I'm not linking, winking is what I'm trying to say, like on match or swiping or, you know, and then you don't get a response or when you do, it, it, yeah, it's, it, they're nervous. They're still nervous about the, those first meetings. Mm -hmm. That's interesting now, because I, from what I've heard, the women, the younger women uh, a little more aggressive and a little more overt and and it's more accepted if you will yes from a cultural standpoint to make the first move mm -hmm. whereas for the boomer guys and for the boomer ladies it's usually more traditional in that the guy sets something up makes the first plan yeah. asks the, the lady out is that is that what you hear more oh, than uh, absolutely it's, that, that hasn't changed Right. It's it's a debate and a challenge because you know we we've we're of that generation we went through the feminist movement of both sides you know men and and women and what that has meant to relationships and just you know male female uh, interaction so bringing that to relationships you know perhaps what we experience in the workplace now to relationships we don't know you know. Are we too forward? Does this mean, you know, do, do we do this with everybody or or men? You know, are, is a woman even going to accept uh, or is she going to take it wrong? You know what my intentions are. There's so much more overthinking now that, yeah, it, it, it's perhaps more of a challenge to us and the younger people, as you say, culturally, that's acceptable where we're still, you know, groveling with that problem or mm -hmm. issue. Guys, Guys Radio, my special guest is a host of Second Act TV and my buddy, Silke Schwarzkopf. We're talking about all the challenges that folks over 50 have when it comes to dating and relationships. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, the elephant that never leaves the room, and that is S-E-X sex. What do you hear from your thought leaders about the shifting role of sex 
in a relationship for the ladies and also for the guys? Well, <laughs> again, you know, it's it's in we, we're speaking in generalities, of course. Sure. But one of the interesting discussions I've had uh, with some of our, you know, thought leaders, if you will, is that women really don't lose their sex drive. Yeah, you know, there it may go up and down and here and there, and we go through the hormonal years and and all that stuff. But one of the main reasons in this, I'll probably, you know, get some opposition to this, but one of the main reasons women lose interest in sex is because they lose interest in their husband mm -hmm. or, the, or the person that they're with. They're not being treated the way they want to be treated it has nothing to do with wanting great sex. So when you're back on, you know, on the dating scene, now you're meeting someone, you're getting attention, you're getting affection, you're, you know, the, the spark starts <laughs> firing again. Sex is better after 50, speaking for me, than it ever has been. So that is a, uh, well, I, to me, it was a huge awakening to a lot of people when I have these discussions. We, As you know, we have them very openly on Second Act TV, is, yeah, sex can be much better and women really don't lose interest. Now, again, I'm not speaking for all women and maybe it's not quite as important. And then the other side to that is the... Well, sexual dysfunction issues that we now have that we didn't have back then. How do you deal with those? And confidence is, is a big thing there as well. Mm. Does that make sense? Let's unpack that a little bit. So why why is sex why can sex be better for those ladies over 50? Is it because they're just less inhibited at that point? They're like, what the hell? Let's just do it. Or what what is really the driver of that, if you will? Yeah, I mean, you really kind of, you do lose some inhibitions, even if there's body challenges, and that's that's another topic we cover. But one, you, you can't get pregnant. <laughs> I mean, you can actually, uh, that, that you know, that's a big worry. You're not trying to get pregnant. You're not doing it to procreate. You're truly doing it for pleasure. Mm -hmm. And the men, older men now, you know, they're, it's not the wang bang, thank you, ma'am, you know, after 30 seconds, it's over, is just because we're older, and we have older bodies, we have to take more time. So, you know, the whole foreplay, or just being affectionate, maybe not even, you know, focusing on intercourse, <laughs> becomes a lot more enjoyable, it becomes a lot more sensual. It sounds like the, the sex is a mental game and the men need to speak the love language and then they'll get the physical payoff instead of just expecting it there because, okay, I'm married or I'm in a long-term relationship. Uh, you know, we do it when we I, I want or whatever, something entitlement, if you will, that you really have to continue for men. It sounds like guys have to keep working for it. Well, both, we both do. I mean, we mm -hmm. you, you both need to keep that spark or, or remember, you know, what were we attracted to each other? Why were we attracted to each other in, in, in the first place? And once you lose that, as you do in many long-term relationships, unless you really, you know, consciously think about that or, or quote, work on your relationship, resentment builds up and that's a huge you know the huge killer of relationships and it's hard to get to get past that so now when you're back on you're meeting new people all of a sudden it's like wow you know what happened to her what happened to him why couldn't we have had this together and maybe maybe you could maybe you couldn't mm -hmm. uh, but um yeah big 
another big challenge of a long-term relationship. <laughs> you know, it seems like ED is a, an issue, not just for older guys, uh, and they may because of prescription dr drugs mm -hmm. or alcohol or, or depression or whatever. It, uh, it's a lot of it's mental also, but also for young guys. So mm -hmm. what, what do women think of guys using the little blue pill and things like that to, to, to get, get things going? Do they care? Did I want to know? Is it just like, hey, what, what's the payoff? And that's what matters from that, what you've heard from your uh, experts. That's a really great question. And that comes down to, again, you know, speaking generalities, women need to understand that it's not really, it's not their fault. Very seldom if it's is a woman's fault, if a man you know, has performance issues. However, we take it personally, like mm -hmm. he's not attractive to me, is it, you know, and then and then the man is like, oh, what's she gonna think if I can't keep it up or get it mm -hmm. up? And and what we're doing is we're making up stories in our head that we're giving value to and not talking about it. And I'm sitting here talking like, you know, well, of course, this is what I do. And it, it wouldn't know. <laughs> Those conversations are difficult, <laughs> very difficult, no matter how open minded you are. Once you're with that special person that you want to impress, uh, it, it, yeah, the communication of that becomes very difficult and can can ruin what might be, um, you know. A potentially budding romance. Yeah. It's like becomes a, a self-esteem thing from both sides because the mm -hmm. woman thinks, oh, he's not performing because he's not attracted to me. And right. the guy's thinking, oh, she's going to think I'm less of a man unless mm -hmm. I uh, rely on uh, the meds or or whatever I need to uh, get things rolling. So it's a, it's a, I think, compassion and empathy and people just should just say, okay, let's just, whatever we need to do, to enjoy each other, let's let's go there. But that's just my own opinion. You're what right. what does he think that women over fifty don't seem to understand uh, about men? Still, after all the years of dating and knowing guys, what do you think they still get wrong about guys? From what you've heard from the male experts, well, that also comes down, I think, to communication. You know that how how differently we communicate. But one of the big things that popped right in my head when you said that and that you hear from the male experts is appreciation that men really want to be appreciated for what they do they don't want and they don't want to be nagged or criticized and somehow even if we don't mean it that way it, it comes across if somehow we and I don't know if that's our generation or not but we tend to quickly jump into the mommy role or I can do things better role and we don't understand that men really do, and a lot of experts have said this, they want to make us happy, they want to give to us, and they want to be our hero. Mm -hmm. You know, and we, we've just, I don't know, we, we've, I don't know if it's a feminist movement, what it is, but we don't let men be men, in many cases. Mm, that's a bold, provocative statement, and I, 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 I don't disagree with you, and I you know, I think the guys, we have to take that. And I've been in that position of like, uh, I know, because like, listen, women want to make the relationship better. So if they're suggesting something, it's not, the intention is not nagging. It's it's how do we make this thing better? Mm -hmm. And guys can take it as, oh no, not again. And I think we have to both kind of just realize, okay, where is the other person coming from and see what we can do with that. So I think women need some work to do and like, let, let, the, let him do this. Maybe it's not exactly the way I do it, but let mm -hmm. him do it. We'll see what happens. And men have to not be so sensitive about, oh no, here she, here, here she comes again. 
uh, mommy dearest, you're like, like, stop, please. And it's, uh, I think, a lot of guys. And it's even with the discussions when we're having a, a disagreement or something, and guys will say, well, this is what I think, and I disagree, and that's it. And then the women uh, many times will want to keep discussing it. And, yes. and a lot of times with men, they don't know what else to say. And that becomes frustrating <laughs> for the man and also for the female. So it's, again, once it, once again, it comes down to communications. So let me flip that question over and say, what is it that you hear from the male experts that men don't really understand about women? Or from the female experts, female what experts. do they think? Yeah, female experts. Yeah. What I, don't I think, men understand about them? I think one, and we've had some interesting conversations about that, is that men don't understand the importance of non-sexual touch. That you know, it comes down to just being affectionate and 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 that sort of thing. That if you just just small little acts of you know maybe touching your hand or the or mm -hmm. just walking up for no reason, give you a you know a little kiss on the cheek, uh, pat on the back <laughs> or the butt, whatever you want, you know, <laughs> stuff like that is just so important for women, and it it also speaks to you know being heard. Uh, one of our, well, the John Gray, who, who, uh, both of us have interviewed sure. him several mm -hmm. times. He has a great example that if, if a man wants to get a woman's attention and just have, you know, have her just get whatever he wants from the woman, it's just tell me more <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking, you know, when she's venting or doing so, mm -hmm. something, you know, this happened to me today. And then she said that, and he says, tell me more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden, goes wow. He's listening. Uh, you know, we talk about that a lot. That men don't listen, and we talk about that a lot because a lot of them don't. <laughs> so, true. to answer your question, I think that's that that still remains a big a big issue. I think part of that is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that men are problem solving mm -hmm. in terms of their mentality. So when they hear something, they're like, "Hang on." let's try this, let's try that. And it's not really necessary to solve everything. A lot of times a woman wants to be able to communicate and talk about it and vent a little bit, whatever, and, and needs somebody to listen. Whereas a guy wants to, well, I can, I can just solve that problem for you. And that's not really solving the problem for them. No. Is that, is that and, accurate? And in turn, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but in sure. turn, women need to learn that men aren't their girlfriends. <laughs> don't you don't, you can't expect your point. man to be your girlfriend even if you say that you want to have that kind of relate you want this emotional man a lot of times you really don't uh so yeah i mean it all these things go both ways definitely go both ways and and i i know on second act tried to keep it that way because i think that's the only way to really you know fix it if you will mm -hmm. <laughs> if we understand each other's shortcomings and and you know the good stuff Okay, my special guest, my buddy, Silka Schwarzkopf, host of Second Act TV, the popular YouTube show for the folks over 50. That's the second act. So after everything you've heard from all the relationship experts, what do women over 50 want as from a partner? I, I think that answer is relatively simple. You want somebody who who you feel good with, who is loyal, honest, a great companion, funny. Humor is a big thing. People discount how important it is to be able to laugh. Uh, so that I don't think that's changed really among any age. Well, maybe when the younger ones, you don't really consciously think about it like that, that mm -hmm. the companionship 
is so important that you have somebody who wants to spend time with you and who you want to spend time with, because mm -hmm. ultimately that's what it all comes down to. How about for the guys? I, I think it's the same. I, th I think that that becomes more of a, uh, a, a human want than necessarily, uh, you know, a male, female. And I hear that from, from uh, more and more men too, is that they really do value being able to, to just relax, kick back, do have things in common, of course, share common interests and just be comfortable, just be comfortable with the person that you love. So do you think, Silka, last question, that people over 50, do they change? Have they changed? Can they change? And do they, do they need to change in terms of how they view and behave in their relationships and, and, and even in, in dating? Great. Or are they just stuck? Great. No, it's a great question. And I think the answer is yes to all. <laughs> some people can, some people can't. And that becomes really maybe one of the biggest challenges. It's a great way to end that if you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, if you do not have any accountability to what, you know, your, your position was, or your, what you did in a relationship that didn't work. If you always blaming it on somebody else, and we get that a, a lot in the comments, you, you hear right away, well, it's not somebody I would even want to meet. It's when it's all men are this, all women are that, all this, all that. These are people who have never learned from their experiences and haven't grown. So in that sense, yeah, it's not that necessarily that you change but you adapt, you adapt in a way that you don't no longer make the same mistake over and over and over. Great advice. Okay, let's let's wrap it on that because I think you nailed it. So <laughs> once again, my buddy, Silka Schwarzkopf, host of Second Act TV, popular YouTube show. Check it out. You might even see me on there. Thank you so much for being back on Guys Guys Radio. Silka, great advice, great thoughts. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Robert. Always love being here. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Guy's Guy's Radio. Today we're going to talk about a lot of different topics. We're going to talk about podcasting, comedy, weather, radio, and people working together. So I've got two terrific guests here. Fritz Coleman had been the weekly weathercaster at NBC4 in LA for 39 years. He's been a working stand-up comic for even longer. He's having made eight appearances on a tonight show with jay leno and johnny carson he's open for many showbiz icons he also had his own comedy specials on nbc la and he's received five local emmy awards and written and performed four one-person shows currently he's the co-host of media path podcast with louise palanker she is the co-founder of premier radio networks which is now a division of iHeartMedia. her documentary on the couch sills appeared on Showtime for two years and is now available on Amazon Prime. She writes a weekly advice column for NewsHawk.com, and I believe it's for teens, and founded the advice app for teens. Okay, ask Wheezy. Wheezy has been podcasting since 2005 and hosted Things I Found Online, a podcast before setting out to co-host MediaPath with Fritz. They're both natives of Buffalo, New York, and they both live in the LA area. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Fritz and Wheezy. How are you guys? Doing great, Thank Robert. Thanks for inviting us on. Terrific. Thank you very much for those lovely intros. 
So let's start with uh, Fritz. I'll ask a, get a little background on both of you and then how you guys met. But having listened to your show, Fritz and and Wheezy, you have great chemistry together. You both started in Buffalo. Let's start there then. How did you get together and how did you end up in Southern California for those who aren't familiar with your work? Well, Wheezy is from Buffalo. I worked there. That was one of the towns that I passed through in my uh, brief radio career. I worked there for four years at WKBW Radio. And uh, then I came out to California in 1980 to pursue a career in stand-up and started my job in, in the weather in 1982 and all that. But Wheezy and I met out here because my first one-person show, which is... Uh, what, what I label as a single topic monologue, it's kind of like stand-up, but it's about one topic. Wheezy came to my show, and she and I entered into this discussion we'd never met before uh, about the show afterwards. She had some great notes about it and some great ideas on how to turn this into a television show. So we became friends, and then she ended up producing on that and then producing my second one-person show, and we've been friends for over 30 years. We have similar mindsets on pop culture books and movies and politics. And we just thought Media Path would be a continuation of this conversation we've been having for 30 years. We just let other people in on it and we're having a great time. Fantastic. Yeah, we talk about shows that are a little more recent than when we met. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. Fritz, you were a comedian and a legendary, as you mentioned, a legendary weathercaster for like 39 years. Did, mm -hmm. did you find a way to kind of combine your two skill sets together to help your comedy and also help you being a great weatherman? Well, that's exactly right. Uh, I got my job doing the weather from being a comic because you live in Southern California. You and I know <laughs> that the weather between April and October <laughs> is morning clouds and fog, hazy afternoon sun. What was the question? So they hired me to come and uh, be a vacation relief guy. My, my old boss was in the audience one night at the Comedy Store when I was uh, performing there. And I told an anecdote on stage about having worked for Armed Forces Radio and Television in the Navy, being forced to do weather, but not knowing anything about it. He thought that was very amusing. So after the show, he said, I know this is a weird question. Do you have any desire to come and do some vacation relief? and some utility work for me as a, as a part-time weathercaster. And I was making $45 a night at the comedy store. And I thought, oh, I almost passed out. I was so happy. I said, of course I would. So I said, you do know that, as I mentioned on stage, I don't know anything about weather. He said, fantastic. There's no weather here. This will work out great. So <laughs> I, I auditioned and got the job and I was there uh, for 39 years. So my to answer your question in a really long-winded way, all my uh, stage time as a comic helped me in my ability to react to live television, working my way out of ugly circumstances. As a matter of fact, I thrived on that. If we had a technical problem, I, I loved you know riffing off of that or ad-libbing off of that. So, so absolutely. What my weather job helped me do was to get visibility, and it helped me get comedy bookings around Los Angeles. So they were, uh, they, I, I gained from both sides of the equation there. How do you, I guess for uh, a lot of folks who watch the weather and they know you use a green screen, but they try to figure out how actually does that work? Well, first of all, you have to learn to gesture broadly, never be specific in where you point, then you can't get in trouble. 
if you just say over in the Columbus area <laughs> and just go like that, people don't care. But the green screen is, uh, is, is technology that's been around for about 25 years where the camera that's aiming at you uh, has a computer uh, chip in it that recognizes that particular color of day glow green and it replaces every place it sees with green on it with your weather map. So you're not really standing in front of a weather map, you're standing in front of a green screen. In order for me to see where I'm looking, I have to, what they call cheat, which is turn three quarters to the green screen, but really look out of the corner of my eye and look at a monitor to see the combination of the weather map and my performance. So it takes a minute to get used to, but you could, after a while, you could train a chimpanzee to do it. It's not that hard. Amazing. Now, for your comedy, how do you, and uh, you were doing a one-man show on one topic, how do you choose mm -hmm. your topics, and what inspired you, and what was the topic when you met Louise? Well, the first one I did was called It's Me, Dad, um, uh, which was me talking to my children and recording what I was saying to them on videotape. They were like uh, seven and five or eight and six at the time, and uh, I was going to put this here, here's the here's the whole history of it. I went to my father's funeral, and what I was depressed and astonished by was listening to the testimonial of all of his friends and family members telling me stories about my father that I'd never heard before. And it kind of broke my heart that there was so much about this man that I didn't know that he didn't reveal to me before he passed away. And I promised myself that that was never going to happen in my children's lives. I was never going to have them question what, what my life was about. So this is before I turned it into a performance piece. I said, I'm going to make a note of all the elements in my life. I'm going to sit with a video camera in my den, and I'm going to record my life to my kids. All the mistakes I've made, you know, struggles with alcoholism with myself and my father and, you know, all the parent, parenting stuff, divorce and all that stuff. And then I'm going to put it in a videotape. And then I'm going to put the tape in a in a safe deposit box and insist that they not watch it until they're over 18 years old. In the event of my early demise, they would have a history of their dad. So I started telling people about this idea and people said, wow, that would make a spectacular solo performance piece. Everybody would relate to it. So then I decided to do it in small equity waiver houses. And I did it in little 60 and 90 seat theaters around North Hollywood, California. Eventually, the general manager of public television in Los Angeles came to see it and thought it was a fantastic idea to use as a fundraiser. So he bought the show, produced it on public television in, in, in L.A., and it got such a good response that they aired it every Father's Day for seven years after that. So it just kind of grew. And then my second one that Wheezy was the producer on was called The Reception, which was me narrating an imaginary wedding reception, which really dealt with the topic of um, divorce. And uh, we had some great success with that, traveled all over Southern California with it. Then I did one about the news called Tonight at 11. Then I did one about getting old called Defying Gravity. And my current show is about getting even older and uh, connecting the pandemic to it. And it's called Unassisted Living. Fantastic. Great answer. Great information. Really fascinating story. Long, no, no, no. For it's, it's, it's great. We've got plenty of time. So let's get to uh, Louise, Louise Palinker. You have you found the premier radio networks, but before that, you did note a, a documentary on the Cowsills, the old 60s band, the family, the Cowsill family. How did you come upon that? What was your inspiration for that? And how did you pull it together? 
Well, the, the history, the timeline is first I find Premier uh, Radio, found Premier Radio Networks with my lovely partners. And then I dabbled in stand-up and did other adventures. And when you could first Google something, I mean, I think most of us sat there and looked at the screen and thought, and Googled something that was important to us as a child, either some guy or some girl or some teacher or, uh, you know, your your favorite show or what have you. So I, my first Google probably was a lot of when you say this to people in show business, what was the first thing you Googled? They invariably the answer is, <laughs> oh, me. I, I Googled me. Um, but but I Googled the cow sales. And I found that the fans had put together a website and I went in there and I signed the guest book and this other fan wrote back and said, oh, it says you live in L.A. You should really come to this pub and see Bob Cowsill. And I thought that's something that I wouldn't like to do uh, because <laughs> it just felt it, it felt sad because th these guys were on my walls and now one of them is playing in a, in a, in a bar and why and I don't want to know. So I put it off for, for three weeks because everything that you don't want to do, whether it's the dentist or going to a pub to see Bob Cowsell, it's three weeks later is <laughs> seems like a good idea at the time. The three weeks roll around. I come in there and I'm like terrified. And I've at Premier Radio and writing for Rick D's, I've interviewed thousands of celebrities. But here I am terrified about someone that was important to me when I was 11. And I and I think we all have that sort of vulnerability. We become a little kid. But you know, I, I met him and and it turned out to be just serendipitously those three weeks. It turned out to be the night that John Cowsill was marrying one of the bangles and all of the Cowsills were in town in town for that wedding. They moved their wedding party into the into the pub and they stood there under that dartboard and same sang those same musical magical harmonies i, I, I that think I, I love you right was that one that, no that was a partridge no family. that's a partridge family right. song they had, i love the flower had, girl right flower girl I, the rain the park and other things right. hair right. indian lake uh that's we can right. fly a bunch of hits and and you're, you're watching them and you're like what what happened They're they're as good as i thought they were when i was 11 so i want to know what happened and that journey kind of led me towards making making the documentary Fantastic. Now, on your show, the my guests are Fritz Coleman and Louise Palinker, Media Path Podcast. You have a lot of, there is some nostalgia there. You have a lot of interesting uh, stars of uh, the older TV shows. How do you uh, choose your guests and uh, uh, where is your main area, of the two of you together, of interest? Like, oh, we want to get this person or that person. I saw recently you had one of my heroes, Felix Cavallario, the Young Rascals. Right. He was unbelievable. Yeah, he was such he, a gentleman. He's just the best guy. I mean, we're both sort of obsessed with pop culture, history, politics, documentaries, but we love we love the stuff that we loved as kids. And so whenever we can get somebody that that we enjoyed as kids, that's that's our first choice. And then we kind of put together wish lists and share that with our talent coordinator and we we sort of take it from there. You grew up in New York, so right. the Rascals, you loved it for the same reason I did. I was from Philadelphia, and it was all about soul music. And it was, it was honestly, it was a great honor to meet him. And he was so approachable and real and forthcoming and honest. And it was a, it was a great interview. I did, we just had a blast with him. 
You know, a couple of years ago, I was in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, and they have a huge open-air auditorium, and the Rascals, featuring F Felix Cavallari, played, and he had that huge B3 organ that he's known oh, for, yeah. and the sound was <laughs> incredible, and he was a real gentleman, and I, I felt bad in the way in that, you know, his people were outside selling CDs and stuff like that, and he wasn't the headliner. Uh, Tommy James, remember Tommy James and the Shondells, yeah. was the headliner, mm -hmm. but the the songs and the talent of Felix Cavallari and the Ras Rascals, I think they were very un undervalued, underrated. What, what do you guys think? I, I agree a thousand percent with what you said. Some of the greatest R&B harmony, uh, their ballads and their and their uh, faster songs. I mean, I can remember specific moments in my life when those songs would get cranked up on my car radio. I was a huge fan of the Rascals. Mm -hmm. Wheezy's tired of hearing me say that, but it's okay. true. I think that the, the Rascals may be underrated when you when you in the in the entire like musical spectrum but if you if you talk to musicians or people that really 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 love music the rascals come up come up often i find oh, yeah you said we get some of the best reaction we've gotten in a long time from our uh, felix interview in the newsletter we put out about it right i put out a weekly newsletter and i and people can write back to me and it was all my musician friends <laughs> wrote back and said this yeah. is awesome i love felix you guys are ter terrific. I am a newbie to Southern California. I've been here about three years. And I'm still putting together like, I understand this. I'm learning about that. Most of the experience has been very good. I find driving is very different out here. And I would I hope you guys can educate me a little bit. I noticed that for the most part, people are polite. You go to the four-way stops. Everybody knows what order to go in. God forbid you don't. Everybody gets upset. All right, I understand that. I've, I fall into line. But I also notice like people uh, will cut you off. They pass you on the right. They will cut you off just to get to a red light. Everybody, you have to really stay. And when you're on the five, you really have to stay on beam. You can't, you know, if you want to go slow in the right lane, forget it. You have to really keep up. And it's very aggressive driving. I'm surprised by that. Is that me or have you noticed the same thing? No, no. You're, you're being very friendly in the way you're describing <laughs> a, a, a nightmare, a hell on wheels, which is the five freeway. The five freeway is if your carotid artery had 90% blockage right. and you needed a stint and it because it's awful. There's never a time when the five freeway is not a nightmare. So you'll, you'll get even more vitriolic and angry about it as you live. <laughs> yeah, I think it, there's there's like a lot of variables and some of them that you don't know is how late are they and how important is who they're about to meet. So if you're if you're if you're on your way to a a meeting with Tom Cruise, you get to pass on the right. <laughs> you know, point. it just really depends. You know, if you're if you're late to see if you're late to see, you know, the head of some studio, you get to. You, so there should be a ranking on your car, like how important is are you and your meeting, and then you get to cut people off. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that a was lot the of the good thing about COVID. The, 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 the traffic was so light, it was like post-apocalyptic. It didn't, I, I felt guilty being on the freeway with this little amount of traffic. It was crazy. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the people who cut you off on the right, they just want to get to the, this is not the five. This is just on regular roads. They just want to get to the red light ahead of you and they're on their way to Costco or whatever. So it is, <laughs> it is a different experience because if you're in New Jersey, you pass somebody on the right. That's very rare and people get upset. And here it's just common, like uh, people are flying by on either side. Anyhow, a lot of cultural changes here. Did you guys have any uh, sticker shock or uh, adapt adaptations you had to make when you moved from uh, Buffalo 
out to uh, the West Coast? And has California changed in the time since you've been here? Hmm. I mean, for me, it was about, it was a difference between being a kid and living in Buffalo and being a grown up and living in, and living in Los Angeles and kind of like, it's kind of like throwing your baby into the water and she'll start to swim. So for me, I, I don't think I noticed, I just thought it was being an adult. And I, what I liked about LA was that it starts at the ocean and then it goes to the right. So I never really had like a bird's eye view of Buffalo because my mom was, or my dad were driving. But when you have to drive, you learn where things are. And so for me, it was just really about becoming a grown up and learning where things are in a city that wasn't the city I grew up in. And I'll let Fritz answer the question about, about whether or not LA has changed since we've been here. Well, I think it's gotten a lot more crowded. Houses are ridiculous. What you can't do in Southern California, uh, if you're buying a house in California is to discuss buying or selling a house in California with somebody who does not live in California because they won't get it. They'll think you're just showing off, throwing these big figures around. They don't realize that it's status quo in the, in the, in the state of California. It's gotten more crowded. But to Weezy's point, the beautiful thing is, is the rapidly changing topography out here. You can be skiing at Big Bear in the winter and two hours later be surfing in a warm afternoon at the beach. So it's, it's a wonderful combination of topography out here. But I think it's just gotten crowded. It's, it's, I, I think, honestly, I don't know if Weezy agrees with this or not. I think it's more, I think traffic is worse now than it was before the pandemic. It just seems like it was, or maybe I'm just more irritated by it. Do you agree with that? I I mean, I have a set uh, set places that I go every week. And then I spend half the week in Santa Barbara, which is about 80 miles north west. So, I mean, I, I have dinner with my sisters. I do the podcast out of my house. And then on Friday, I drive to Santa Barbara. So I'm not having to do errands in LA. I do those kinds of errands in Santa Barbara where it's super easy to park and go and and get something that you need so but when you're when you're in LA you do kind of like back time things you're like okay oh, I have to be a certain place and like I'm gonna have to circle for parking or I'm gonna have to park right. about like 17 blocks away so let me let me time let me put that into my um chart as I calculate the time I need to leave my home uh tomorrow Fritz and I have to go to Santa to Santa Monica to be on NPR so We've been back timing that for weeks now. <laughs> for instance, if I wanted to drive to your house, Robert, uh -huh. uh, that could take anywhere from an hour and a half right. to four hours on yep. the 405 or the five. You just never know. And on any given, there's no pattern to it. Uh, on any given day, it can be very easy or it can be a nightmare. So I would give always give myself, I do lots of comedy shows in San Juan Capistrano and Mission Viejo and places down close to you. And I always give myself like three or four hours, even if it only takes an hour, sure. then I go somewhere and sit in the Starbucks for two hours. But you never can count on being able to get somewhere in the amount of time you calculate, as you well know. As hosts, you work together, obviously, during the podcast. Do you guys, you've known each other for a while. You're friends, obviously, have great chemistry and uh, great rapport. Do you guys hang out at all together? Or is it strictly at this point? Is it, you know, when you have to get together, 
you want to have that as your quality time. And, uh, you know, I have friends uh, that I haven't talked to for three years. I pick up exactly next time I speak to them. We're in the same place. For you guys working together, do you guys still, do you socialize? Do you hang out? Is it strictly business? If I don't want to get too personal, but just out of curiosity for our listeners. Uh, we socialize on the phone. Weezy has said, you know, her main residence is in Santa Barbara. She comes down to Sherman Oaks in, in to do our podcast in her beautiful podcasting studio. And then I have grandchildren and children. And so our lives are very, very um, busy in different ways. So up till a few years ago, I used to go to her house every weekend with my children and she would teach them how to play the drums and guitar and we would watch movies. And it was like going to day camp at her house. But they're grown up now and our lives are slightly different. So we're not as, uh, we don't relate outside of the podcast as much as we used to, but we're still awesome mm -hmm. friends. You guys are terrific. The name of the show is the Media Path Podcast. Fritz Coleman, Louise Palanker. Uh, what, what's coming up next for you and where can my audience find you? Uh, our next podcast, let's see. We have, I think it, one of the guys, Bruce Bellin from the Four Freshmen. And uh, you can get us wherever you get your podcast. We also do a, a video version of it that's on YouTube. And we have a YouTube channel called Media Path Podcast. So wherever you go to type in the name of a podcast, we will show up. We are 107 episodes in. So if you want to just kind of sift through here and see, you know, what's okay. exciting to you. We've had Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley. We've had Henry Winkler. We've had Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits. You know, we've had Congressman Adam Schiff, Judy Tenuta, a lot of child stars from our childhood butch patrick kids from my three sons um you know we've just had it's just it just runs the gamut one of the interesting shows that we did had uh vicky lawrence from the carol burnett show and the daughter of don knotts who's written a book about her dad and that was just an inter interesting mm -hmm. combo in, into 60s and 70s television so we've got all kinds of fun stuff like that so if you grew up watching this stuff and loving it We've got something for you. Okay. Fritz Coleman, Louise Palanker, the Media Path Podcast, and YouTube. Check it out. Thanks for being on Guys Guys Radio. You guys are wonderful. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Robert. It was a lot of fun. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, terrific conversations with Silke Schwarzkopf of Second Act TV and also Fritz and Louise of the Media Path. What did we learn today? Well, from Silke, we spoke about dating and relationships over 50 and some of the challenges. And it seemed like the takeaway was that you, to be successful over 50, you have to have confidence. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you can offer and know what you want and just be authentic and be real and be positive and honest because otherwise you're going to just open up various cans of worms that you don't want to open up and you're going to overcomplicate what doesn't have to be that complicated. When you boil it all down, dating and relationships should be fun. Fun sports, as they say, and we want to have joy. That's what we want out of a relationship and companionship. So look at the sunny side, be positive, and if you believe it can happen, you know what? It just may happen. It happened for me. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't get married till I was over 50 and it happened online of all places on littleoldmatch.com. So 
it, it, it can happen. So Fritz and Louise, I think we learned that the radio and podcasting landscape in L.A. is a, is a d- dynamic marketplace. It's constantly changing, and there's a lot of celebrities out there, and it's very competitive. And they're nice people, and they had some good stories and good advice for baby boomers. So check out their show, The Media Path. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA Radio here in Southern California. 8 p.m. Pacific time on 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The podcast, cast my YouTube and Rumble post worldwide every Thursday. And the terrestrial radio show, if you will, on KCAA rebroadcasts every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So you can listen live. You can stream, you can download. There's no excuse for you not to be able to find Guys Guys Radio or as we call the video portions, Guys Guys TV. Just use my name, Robert Manny, in search and you'll find me and the show on all of the major platforms and wherever you consume your podcasts and and YouTube content, I'm there. And if you enjoy the guests I bring you each and every week and you enjoy the content I bring you, please subscribe because it goes a long way to supporting the show and being putting me in a position to be able to get the right guests and bring the right information to you so you can live your best lives. I know there's a lot of people out there trying to do similar things, but we've been doing this for a while. We bring, we bring you guests and thought leaders from all different walks of life, have all different experiences, and I do a very thorough job in terms of screening who I want to have on the show to make sure that they have something to offer you my audience, something you can pick up from them and from the show. So thank you for your patience. And I, if, again, if you like the guests and the content I'm bringing you, please subscribe. You can also uh, check me out on my website, robertmanni.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, dating, relationships, wellness, work, family, friendships, sex, whatever. I cover the waterfront there and it's all free. And you can also download three free chapters of my novel, which is a source material for everything Guy's Guy. It's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. And it's a fast, fun, frothy tale. And I think you'll enjoy it. And just read the reviews or check out the three free chapters and then decide if you want to pick up the book. So we're here every Wednesday for you. I want to thank my guests, number one, the 650-plus individuals who I've interviewed for Guys Guys Radio. I want to thank also my wonderful producer, Chris, who does such a wonderful job and always has my back. And most of all, I want to thank you, my audience, because without you, where would we be? And I'm here for you, and I consider what I do as of service to really bring you the information that will help you live your best life and have fun along the way with some entertaining interviews. And I do my very best to get the right guests for you and also to ask the questions that I think you want me to ask the guests. So thank you so much. I'm going to be back here next week. Once again, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>